right, guys. So today we are here in Sydney, Australia, with none other than Rando, activist, international model. But today we want to know more about the person behind Rando. So uh, welcome to Sydney, first of all. Thanks for having me. Now, in terms of the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, we got introduced by a mutual friend. What did you initially think when you saw the premise behind it and the images? Um, well. At first, I get approached by a lot of different um, amazing campaigns, and I think that everyone is doing something important in their own ways and in their own right. Um, but for this campaign especially, I thought that um, it did something really impactful, which is showcase how we're not alone, um, and, and it destigmatized um, people's feelings about vulnerable moments in their life. Um, by just having those having those stories be united in one platform, and it, it seemed it was wonderful that you didn't have everything be uh, commercialized. There, I didn't see it be like sponsored by Absolute Vodka. Um, I realized pretty quickly that this campaign wasn't about um, getting money from people. It wasn't about um, getting fame. It was about getting the word out there that people are a lot more connected than they think they are. And I mean, going, going back to yourself, you've done so many incredible things throughout your career and activism and things like this, but is there a time when you've struggled yourself with your mental health? Um, yeah, I think absolutely. Throughout my entire life, I've had dips, you know. I think a lot of people, they, when they experience mental health obstacles, is what I like to call them, um, we don't oftentimes continuously feel like things are a struggle. It's that we hit a dip, we pull out of it, and then just as we think things are fine, we hit another dip again, and we question ourselves twice as much because we thought we had gotten over these insecurities that we we had before. And the more time goes on, and the more dips we hit, the more we start getting uh, anxiety about the next dip to come, even when things are really positive. Yeah, um, I experienced that a lot. I was a there was a period in my life in which I was transient for quite a while, and. Um, every time I pulled myself out of a transient situation and ended up back in a home, I found myself back on the street again. And this happened a few times in a row. And I began to question, like, am I just destined to be homeless? You know, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. And when my career took off, um, I had a really great fortune of things building very quickly. But I equated my um, social image and status with also my security and ability to survive and feed myself. And I kept on thinking about that time being homeless. And so I made a lot of um, mistakes and poor choices in the beginning of my career in order to um, solidify uh, my uh, security uh, in my work. And it was really unfair to a lot of people. And um, I didn't always live my most authentic self or life, you know. And that built up this like guilt that like what I am online is not what I am in person. Yeah. Um, and uh, over time, I've been able to really have uh, a lot of world travel. Um, I got to understand what depression is on in different cultures and different levels with different people. And um, I began to realize that a lot of my self sabotage was coming from mental health obstacles and depression and uh, insecurity that I'm not enough. And so um, this past year has been an absolute blaze because it's been about confronting myself. Um, I did a video where I told the absolute truth about who I am and who I've been 
It was an hour long, and I purged all the times I've ever lied, stolen, cheated, cheated that I could think of, and I put it online. I got skewered for it. But um, confronting that really helped me confront a lot of my mental health obstacles yeah. because it, it created a, a space where um, I could be honest with myself, um, and therefore I felt safe with myself. Um, and what led up to like that complete purge, that complete video, was um, in September. Uh, not September, sorry, in July, everything just fell out from underneath me. Um, I felt like I had been doing a lot of good work and I had been work. I'd been a really honest person, but my past caught up to me. Um, and all those little things that you did and said out of insecurity caught up to me. And, and one night, one day I lost my home. I lost my partner. I lost my best friend. Um, I lost a good portion of the security I put into my bank account. And I felt like I maybe had lost my career because I was with somebody who was very uh, well-known and I thought, oh gosh, the tabloids are going to just skewer my family and everything I've worked hard for, honestly worked hard for, is going to be swept away by the things I've done that weren't so honest. And so in July, um, I had drank a lot of alcohol and I left a lot of messages on my family's uh, uh, machines and you know and, and through text and um, I even left them for my former partner and my best friend and I told them uh, I didn't want to live anymore I told them this is my Instagram password this is uh, the information for my bank accounts here's what I want you to do with my body and I went on to the rooftop of this hotel I was at because uh, I was in the middle of shooting a campaign for Zalando at the time and I went up onto this rooftop and I thought I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump. And um, somebody walked in on me in the middle of that to go smoke a cigarette. And they were literally like, what are you doing? Because I'm just standing there. I'm erratic. I'm crying. I'm obviously leaving very intense messages for people. And they just, it, it felt very violent in the moment, but now I'm really grateful for it. But they, they went over and they just ripped me off from the rooftop so fast. Um, and, uh, the next day, I sobered up. I listened to the messages. I forced myself to listen to the messages I had left. And I was like, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel that way? I, why didn't I feel like that when I was homeless? You know, when I was homeless, I didn't want to end my life. When I had very little, I didn't want to end my life. And I, I'm in a position now where I have an incredible audience that supports my work. I have things that I've done through my own merit and not through um, manipulation or lies. I, I have an incredible network of chosen family that I've curated all around the world. And um, I was like, why did I want to, why did I get to that level? And um, I realized that, like, it's because even though I was incredibly connected to over half a million people on my platforms and I had chosen family all over the world, the fact is that nobody was there with me in that hotel. And even though we're incredibly connected as a species right now, more than ever before, um, I felt very disconnected, and um, I felt a lot of shame. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to own up to my um, my past. I I didn't feel like I had the strength for it. Um, and then uh, a, a big sorry. I get really emotional, huh? but or not. Sorry. Thank you for being so patient. But um, but then uh, over the next few months. Um, I, I decided I'm going to do a video on 
suicide and what drives us to suicide. And as I was doing my research, I realized that the suicide rates in the U.S. and the U.K., two places that consider themselves to be first world countries, is higher than countries that they demonize and say are unlivable. Countries like Afghanistan, countries like the Philippines and Colombia, places that are war-torn, impoverished, or experiencing famine. Um, and it made me think that maybe I wasn't so alone. Maybe, um, people who, maybe people who seem to have a lot of privilege or space, there's a reason why they're being driven to taking their lives, even though there may be a lot more resources than they than they, they're perceiving. Um, so I went on a journey um, around uh, the world. I went to Colombia, um, for example, and I met with people who lived in conditions that um, nations, various nations have condemned uh, of extreme poverty, of war, of disease, and um, asked them what the key to happiness was. Why, um, why is it worth more to be alive when you feel like you're worth less um, as a person. Not necessarily humanity-wise, but I mean literally the hierarchy of humanity. Yeah. And um, every single person that I talked to pretty much had the same answer, which was like that like who they are is how they are, not what they are. Yeah. And um, that every day they may not have much, but what they have are their intentions and the executions of those intentions, and that every day there's always something to be proud of, even if it's just the fact that you made it to the end of the fucking day. Um, and since going on that journey, um, it's really put me in check about my privilege and where I'm at and um, what my purpose is on this planet, which is to find the gratitude in every situation, to find the gratitude in every feeling, and to understand that feeling bad, feeling sad, feeling angry, those feelings are not the feelings of a person who's given up. Those are the feelings of your body literally having a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that it knows it deserves better and, there, and it doesn't have it. And therefore, we feel sad. We feel sad because we know we deserve better. We feel angry because we know we can do better. We feel depressed because we know that something more should be available for us, and we feel like it isn't. But what that means is that we've held high standards for ourselves. And those standards mean that we respect ourselves. Um, it's when you feel nothing at all that there's that hope is lost. Um, and so now I find myself uh, here in Sydney. I've been going on an incredible journey, uh, doing more uh, Camp, more campaign work than ever before for mental health, more um, charity work than ever before. I just came from Blaze Aid, um, which is a great organization that helps people recover after um, fires, and we just help farmers rebuild their farms in rural areas. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, I just, I feel freer than I've ever felt because I'm not lying to myself that there's a solution to my depression. I'm understanding that depression is going to come in waves in my life and um, I need to accept myself no matter where I am in the dip and appreciate the fact that I feel enough to feel depressed. Yeah. yeah. Take away the lights, the camera, the events. Mm -hmm. 
essentially your name reigned over your public persona, mm-hmm. bring it back to you yourself. Now you have opened up and you've found your voice mm. in sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Does that feel, for the people that are listening at home, like a weight has been lifted off your shoulder? Just talking about it in general, because mm. attached to the campaign, when, when there's still that, we're trying to get rid of the notion of the stigma attached to it and people not speaking about it. So you, as somebody in the public eye who's so well-known and respected, for you to actually open up and share your story, what has the response been and how do you feel as yourself sharing your story as, as you reign? Um, it's, been a, it's been a very freeing experience. Yep. It's hard because I don't want to monetize my truth, yep. you know. Um, I think one of the things you experience, as, especially as an influencer that represents a marginalized community, is that oftentimes people try to mar- um, monetize your experience. And um, I just feel like I'm in a space where being honest about who I am, who I've been, and how that's impacted who I, um, who I can be and who I am today. Yeah. Like, it's... It's made it so that I have nothing else to fear. You know? I don't worry about what's going to happen. I'm not worried about blackmail. I'm not worried about shaming. I'm not worried about people literally coming for me physically. I'm not worried about psychological games. I'm not worried about much anymore. I'm just grateful that I chose to be alive, you know? And also, I think that there's a whole world that's really being dishonest right now. There's a lot of politicians and public figures and people in our lives who are profiting off from their dishonesty. And there's no incentive for them to be honest. And when it comes to mental health, it's the same thing. There's What's the incentive to be honest with people about your mental health? When people hear that you have mental health obstacles, they think that you're broken or that you're not whole or that... Maybe you're going to need more work, or maybe you're not secure or safe to be around. Um, But being honest about where you're at with your mental health, um, being honest with yourself, it's an incredible gift. And it's, I think it takes a lot of strength to free fall into the wills of society in order to be the authentic version of yourself, you know? And the more people talk about mental health obstacles and the, uh, the less stigma there is around it, obviously. And I think we need to all be honest. There's very, very, very few people on this planet, yep. if any, who will never experience mental health obstacles in their life. Yep. And for us to act like the only time that we're ever acceptable or reliable as people is, is when we're happy or successful... It's, it chips away at the possibility for anyone to be happy or successful because yeah. it just seems so unattainable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the amount of people that I've met through this campaign, and there's people like yourself, you, you've had the ultimate career, and I've, I've met multimillionaires and everyone along the way, but success doesn't attribute to happiness half the time. Some of the people who have like the almost respected careers and the money and the wealth in the bank, if your mental health isn't there, yeah, you can be the most unhappiest person. And we've seen mm. it time and time again. Yeah. So I think what I wanted to really do with with this campaign is 
de-celebritize it in a way to actually mm. bring us back to that human. And that's why when I interview people who are, are uh, prolific public figures, in talk about you as the person rather than you who the mm. public persona is. Because um, right. essentially, there should be no disparity. Mm. Like, you are a daughter, you are someone's friend, you are someone's colleague, just as the next person is the exact same. You deal with the same emotional struggles. And to an extent can be heightened because you're under public scrutiny half the time for saying things with your platform. But um, I just want to say on behalf of the campaign and on behalf of myself, thank you for coming on board and sharing your story. Um, but I mean, if, uh, we'll finish it off with, if there's anybody who's watching this today, mm. what would you say say to them if they're struggling and they don't know how to reach out to anybody from, from your point of view, how you went about it or... Mm. You know, one of the things is that... Uh, when you're struggling with any kind of mental health obstacle or a dip, sometimes there's just absolutely no pep talk you can give someone to get themselves out of their space. The most important thing that people know is that they're valid, that their feelings are fucking valid, yeah. that whatever shitty thing is happening in their life to cause that, I'm going to say that in a cheeky tongue in cheek kind of way, yeah. um, is valid. A hundred percent valid. And Things will shift. They do shift. Every yeah. second, things are shifting. Yeah. But feeling the feels is a sign that you feel anything at all. And if you feel anything at all, there's always hope. Love that. Love that. And we'll say last one for you. What do the words being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Hmm. Well, <laughs> when you talk about perfection, you talk about the encompassing of all things at their highest rate and efficiency. Um, and that means that uh, imperfection must be perfection. Because if it wasn't, then perfection wouldn't exist. Yep. Great answer. Thank you. Well, guys, um, <laughs> thank you to Rain.